Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Listen to Spurs Cast, episode 598. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today, I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Josh Baredes. In this episode, Josh and I will discuss the Spurs' struggles on the second night of back to back sets and Devin Vassell's impressive play to start his rookie career. Let's go ahead and get started. Josh, how are you doing? Pretty good. I didn't shout it out last time, but I, I like how you pronounced my last name perfectly. Oh, I, I do. Really, okay, okay. I don't get that a lot um, because uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, even when I, I've been working some Spurs games on the side and they, they spell it like parades all the time and it's just like, it's refreshing. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I've, I've heard that one before. Par- Paradis or something. Yeah. 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 So. It's all good, Paredes. So you're, it's all good. Okay, so so yeah, Spurs cast. This was Josh is here to join me. I think you, you joined me. I think over, during the off season, you had joined me at one time here on the Spurs cast. Um, yes. So let's go ahead and jump right into the latest news and how the team's doing. So so you know, just actually a week ago, I had just recorded um, last Thursday. So you and I recorded this on Thursday evening. Uh, so we give a timestamp of when this was taking place uh, in, case, in case things change when this episode comes out. Uh, and it was with John Diaz a week ago. And so there hasn't been that many games. You know, surprisingly, it was actually nice to wake up in the morning and on the second day off when the Spurs had a day off and like, wow, there's actually not a basketball game, you know, because yeah. they've been playing every other I wasn't used to that, to having that extra day off. So anyway, they only played three games and they did they did pretty well uh, to start this three game stretch. Um, you know, they went two and one and obviously it doesn't look so good coming off uh, how they lost that final game against the Warriors. So let's go ahead and, and jump right into how they've done. Uh, so Saturday, they start off with a close win against the Houston Rockets where they did get a, a 13 point lead, but the Rockets kind of made it, you know, competitive. Um, John Wall was there and, and you know, Eric Gordon, um, Victor Oladipo, but Christian Wood was out. And then, of course, the Spurs were, out, were without um, LaMarcus Aldridge, I believe, in that game. So the Spurs get a five-point win on, on, against Houston on Saturday. Then on Monday, they get, they get an impressive you know, five-point win against the Warriors, who were without James Wiseman and uh, you know, a few other players. But they did have their main guys in Steph Curry, you know, Kelly Ray Jr., Draymond Green, etc. Uh, so the Spurs held on in that game. It was a close one um, by, uh, by five points. And they actually trailed by 14. So they made a pretty good, um, you know, to, to make a double-digit comeback is very rare for this team. And so, so they actually did that, and they came back from 14 points. But then it was on Tuesday. It was a, you know, it looked like both teams are on the second out of a back-to-back. They're both exhausted. You know, it was tied at the halftime. Both teams were kind of just having like a slugfest. They just really couldn't get any, any points on the board. Um, and so you're like, oh, okay, so this is going to be a, a close game again with just these two teams dragging it out to the end. And nope. <laughs> we thought quarter, so. <laughs> yeah. That third quarter comes and the Warriors pretty much put the game 
anyway, they they outscored the Spurs thirty six to twenty. Steph went crazy there in that third quarter, and that was pretty much it. The Warriors, you know, the Spurs played better defense in the fourth, but I mean, we we knew that game was decided. I think they cut it down to twelve at one point in the fourth, but that was about it. The Warriors pretty much controlled for the rest of the night, and so so it was pretty it was over pretty early in the second half, uh, like we saw there. And so in a little bit, we're going to get into that topic of the second out of back to back on the Spurs' issues there. Uh, but just kind of give me your thoughts on these first uh, these three games this, this past uh, week. Yeah, so I mean, you know, of course it coming off a loss unfortunately but i feel like overall they they did pretty well um you know the three-point shooting has been an issue lately defending it which i mean we can we can talk about later but uh they just went crazy the warriors in the last game and it's just kind of like they get in a rhythm team opposing teams and uh so overall, they, they were fine. It was just this disappointing to see the last home game turn out that way. But uh, just like the team is, I'm, I'm pretty much just looking forward to, you know, seeing what they can do on the road because they seem to be doing <laughs> better on the road uh, this season. So yeah, they do, they do, especially with the, the, despite the from for me, it just feels like it's just like the same game because like you know there's just no fans at either place. So I mean, right. really, like you know, the majority of those games. Uh, so so now you know, obviously, you know, it, it doesn't look good that they lost by 23 points, and that that looks very you know, it's not not so good for the Spurs. Uh, you know, you know, we're coming into this podcast episode, but again, when we take a big um, uh, picture look at the team, they're doing very well. They are six and four in their last ten, so again, winning 60 percent of their games. Big picture. They're 14 11 right now that you and I are recording, and this was six. They were sixth out west when we had this when we recorded this episode. Uh, on, D, on offense, they're having their struggles. You know, they're 22nd now. They've fallen, they've kind of continued to fall there. And I, I know that Aldridge has been out for them. He's one of their players who, who contributes a little bit more to the spacing on offense with his three point shooting and his uh, mid range. But even with Aldridge, they were like 17th, 18th for, for the majority of that time. So, so we have seen that without him, they're a little bit worse on offense. But defensively, you know, they've gotten back into the top 10. Just last week, John and I talked about how they had slipped to 17th, I believe, uh, when we recorded last week and now all of a sudden you know these these last few games they've actually played good defense aside from that third quarter against the Warriors so this has helped them you know in their overall numbers and they're back to being a top 10 defense mm-hmm. and just just you know re- reiterating of, of how well this team is doing compared to last year that we saw uh with this team was that they were 10 and 15 through 25 games last year so so we do see a dramatic difference now that they're 14 and 11 <laughs> so so um so what have you just thought about big picture how this team has been doing well, yeah, just to go back to last season, I think this is around when they went on that huge losing streak, right? There was a time where, you know, they started 3-0 and then they were, uh, you know, they started playing back like 500 and then they just went on like a 7 or 8 game losing streak, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, no, I think they already did that at that, at that point because I remember the oh, okay. was on here. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I don't. there were so many losing streaks, so I don't even remember. <laughs> you don't, they all just meshed together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, overall, happy with, you know, Coming into the season, expectations as to what they're doing now—they're definitely overperforming. Um, but it's—I guess it's been helping. Like you know, Devin Vassell out there getting more minutes has been helping Derek White back. Um, is only going to hopefully improve uh, going forward. But overall, looking pretty good so far. Yeah, so now let's go ahead and get into the main topic for this week. And, um, you know, I do want to focus here on the back-to-backs because, you know, it's a very small sample size. It's only four games that they've been on the second night of a back-to-back, and but they are 0-4. And so so what I did was I went back and I kind of looked through, the, through my stat, stat databases and I kind of picked apart on offense what some common issues were. You know, I, I highlighted exactly what, what I see happening in multiple games and then also on defense. So so let's first talk about the offense cause, um, and, and see what some of their common mistakes are or issues are on, on the second. Again, this is only the second night of the back-to-backs that where they are 0-4. So think of that Warriors game that they just lost recently, and then also that Memphis loss that coming off that win against the Nuggets. So the common issues on offense I see here are uh, they don't get to, they don't get to the free throw line, um, you know you know as, as as well as they as they normally do on, on the second out of a back to back. You mentioned this, Josh. Their three point shooting um, you know really struggles on the second out of a back to back. They do turn the ball over more. 
uh, on the second night of back-to-back on offense, and, that, and that's 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 a huge issue for this team whenever that happens. And then also, they don't get out on the fast break. We know that this is a young team who likes to use their speed and versatility uh, to get out on the break, and they don't do that on the second night of back-to-back. So a lot of this tells me, you know, just looking at these offensive uh, um, areas, it tells me these are tired legs from what I see here, and, and maybe just not mentally locked in on that second night, especially with the turnover issue. What do you see on offense for them? Yeah, it's just kind of surprising because they are a really young team overall. And when they're just not getting back, I saw, you know, in the last game with the Warriors, um, I believe it was Draymond Green at one point. Um, he actually had DeJounte just out um, waiting. He was on the break. And DeJounte just kind of, you know, he's a great defender, but it just kind of seemed like he thought someone else was going to come and there was nobody, like, from my view on the court. So it's just like some mental mistakes like that are happening. Um I also feel like just they're still adjusting to some lineup issues. You know, Aldridge is out. I feel like how you said about getting to the free throw line. Um, you know, I feel like Keldon plays better with Aldridge on the floor. Um, mm-hmm. He hasn't been uh, attack or finishing as well and, and driving as much with uh, with Pertle out there. So that's another issue. And like you know, Derek White is back, and how do we manage uh, Lonnie and Derek? That I think they'll figure out going forward. But the fact that it's happening on the back to back. Um, for, like you said, small sample size, um, but the blowouts are what concerns me the most. Um, but I think they hopefully can figure it out. I know they have two more back-to-backs in this half of the season, so we'll see if they can at least go one and six or something. Yeah. So, actually, okay, so you just brought something up, and this is actually an interesting debate I've been having with, with some people, um, you know, off the Spurs cast, and and, and it's it's the question about Lonnie, not Lonnie, uh, Kelton and his his aggressiveness in terms of, so so you actually brought up a, a new uh, counterpoint that I haven't thought of. So so here's been my theory on this. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I went back and ran some numbers recently. This is before last night's game against the Warriors, and and Kelton, ever since Derek came back, Kelton's um, attacking numbers in the paint and on drives has, has dramatically decreased. Mm-hmm. And so my, my theory theory is that because now you know your your usage is by your main ball handlers are Demar, Dejounte Murray, and now Derek White. You know out there whether he's coming off the bench or starting, he's getting a huge chunk of their offense in terms of controlling the offense, running pick and roll. You know you know playing a lot of uh, running the offense basically. So right. now all of a sudden, Ron uh, Keldon's been regulated to like the fourth or fifth uh, um, playmaker on a possession. So I really feel that Keldon really has to be wise in his decisions of when he's going to attack because he's not going to get that freedom anymore like he was getting when Derek wasn't there because there wasn't that extra ball handler. Um, you know we always know Keldon way more aggressive than Lonnie so Lonnie was more of like your spot up shooter so that wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't an issue with Lonnie it was more for, for me from my perspective it was it was an issue with with Derek being back that that Kelton hasn't been able to have been as aggressive and so and of course the one night that Derek misses last night you know they, they held him out just the pop says you know he's basically on, on, a, on a minutes restriction right now so he won't play mm-hmm. the second out of back-to-backs we saw that all of a sudden Kelton got 10 10 plus points in the paint against the Warriors even though the Spurs lost so that's why my theory was still going in the right direction that I think that Kelton needs to make an adjustment here of how he's going to stay aggressive now that there's an extra ball handling other four but i hadn't thought about that point that you just brought up that you know aldridge is a guy like i mentioned earlier who provides spacing from three who opens up the floor for you whereas purtle kind of just you know he sets his picks and then he rolls and he kind of like you mentioned he gets he brings more defenders in the lane uh so so that's interesting so so what what do you think about one one, my theory but then also you you know what you what you've actually just added there yeah, I think it all really just comes together. It, they're mm-hmm. all responsible. <laughs> like there's yeah, yeah. there's the Aldridge thing. There's White. There's also scouting from the other team. They know now that Keldon is just going to mm-hmm. bulldoze his way to the hoop, and they're and they're going to need to be there to stop it. They're, he's been called for more charges lately. They've been better contesting. He's not getting as many of those. Just like where did that come from, dunks? You know. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just really a combination of things, and and like you said, he's going to have to adjust both to playing with Pirtle. If it's going to be you know, much longer, and also to how he should attack with Derek White, so I think it's just a combination of all all the things, really. 
Yeah, and, and the reason why I say that he needs to like he doesn't have that freedom anymore of like you know just kind of uh, you know just going out there and you know making you know making mistakes as a second year player is that is the fact that like we've seen that now in multiple fourth quarters where Pop will hold him out. I think I think in that close game against the Warriors or, or it was either the Houston game or the Warriors one recently. Uh, he he didn't play at all in the fourth quarter, and there was another game just a few few like a week ago where he, he and Kel, and Lonnie when Lonnie was wasn't wasn't um you know sick at the time uh, yeah. uh, with that stomach illness he actually got held out as well. So so I think that those two young players Lonnie and Kelton to realize that now that Derek's back and if the team's fully healthy you know they may lose may lose some fourth quarter minutes or, or some minutes in games uh, if they're not producing because again like it was you know they can make their mistakes early on with, with all the injuries to the team but now that everybody's kind of starting to come back I think that yes there is going to be a limit there of, of how much you know how much freedom pop does give them um, on the offensive end to make some some mistakes there yeah luckily I mean he's his attitude is is amazing so like he's gonna yeah. adjust he's going he's not gonna complain about any anything like that so that's yeah so so uh let's let's move straight up uh move right into the defense now the, the common issues that i see here on defense on the, again this is just the second night of back-to-backs uh so, so one thing is uh, you know opponents attacking the paint there's been multiple games there where, where where teams are just kind of getting into the paint uh and the spurs defense struggles there well then of course if opponents are getting to the paint that means they're able to kick out for three and this is a case that we're seeing as well where, where teams shoot very well from three on, on the second night of back-to-back sometimes um sometimes you know the spurs are a top 10 team in terms of limiting teams getting to the free throw line but on some Sometimes on these nights, second night of back-to-backs, uh, teams do. The free throw line is an issue, an area of concern for the Spurs. And then something that you mentioned, uh, or we talked about earlier, was just opponents getting out on the break. And the reason for that is because when the Spurs turn it over, um, you know, the Spurs have trouble. Uh, opponents score very well off those turnovers from the Spurs. And so it's something that you pointed out a while ago, Josh, is that the fact that, like, in three of these four losses on the second night of a back-to-back, um, you know, they're, they're very they're, the, the, the gaps are very big. You know, 15 to 24 yeah. points the Spurs trail by. And we know that, like, you know, this team doesn't, doesn't do well in terms of making that comeback like i said they just don't have the three-point shooting on offense to get themselves back dig themselves out of a hole they've only been doing been able to do it once this entire season uh when they were down by 16 at one point but that's been about it you know this this team just doesn't have that volume three-point shooting where they can just Mm kind of claw their way back and that's why we saw yesterday you know they got into a four possession game against the warriors 12 (laughs) points but then of course the warriors just had to score a few more points and boom it's 15 18 points that quickly so what have you thought about their defense yeah like first of all reading your your difference tweets during the second half of back-to-backs has been painful because <laughs> they <laughs> yeah. they have been very um just a wide disparity in the teams and and so actually i took some notes about this because um what i've been noticing at at home especially is um opponents just start to get like swagger they start to hit wide open threes mm-hmm. and i i wanted to look into that so um, I'm going to play a little bit of the Paul Garcia role here and, and throw some stats at you that I found. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, they're currently 25th in the in the league in three-point percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at um, just home games, that shoots up to 41.3%. There's, oh, not wow. even, there's not even a team in the league that's allowing 40 or more, like overall. I think Cleveland is the worst, and they were at 39.6. So something is happening in AT&T Center that's... Mm-hmm allowing them to, you know, just kind of lose their men from the corner. There, we have bigs shoot like nailing threes, Nas Reed, Eric Pascal was yeah. three for three in the last game. <laughs> um, so it's like, that is, I think the one thing that I kind of pinpoint as, as pretty like staggering to me when I, when I looked that all up, um, they also give up the fourth uh, most, wide open threes you know like six feet away or more mm-hmm. they do they do that overall um they give up about eight per game so um 
it's just something that I, maybe the road trip coming up is <laughs> it's probably couldn't have come at a better time because they actually are like sixth best in the league in allowing three point percentage on the road. So mm-hmm. for whatever reason, there's there's a huge difference there. Um, so I think just a lot more communication on closeouts and switches and just having the right personnel on the floor when someone gets hot is something that they need to work on, um, not only in back-to-backs, but just in general. Yeah, so that, that's really interesting, especially what you mentioned there about the three-point defense uh, at home versus the road. And so, like, for, for me, it's, it's, it's tough to make these calls and, ju- and, you know, judge how the season's going just because, you know, mo- pretty much all the arenas, to me, in, my, in my view, just look the same because, you know, there's really not that, right. much, that many fans. And so that's what makes it different. But I guess maybe, you know, it's, it's, from, from what I see here, is just, it just sounds like it's more like a lack of, uh, of um, like, focus, I guess you could say, and communication. Yeah. They're just not getting up for these games at home. And they don't have that locked-in mindset. Maybe, you know, when you're on the road and, and you're kind of just, like, you know, stuck in your hotel room, then you go straight to the game and stuff like that. It's more like that. That's still like that. Even though there's no fans in the arena, yeah. it still feels like a road trip for you and so your team i guess there's more camaraderie there to, to get to get get behind one um central focus and goal and maybe at home you know the players are, are a little bit more comfortable being back at home and getting to see that you know their families and stuff and go, and go to their own homes. yeah so there, there might be some mental aspect to it because yeah i think that that's something very interesting there especially because like it would be more noted i think it, 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 you could say more if there was fans like you know it was a real crowd right, around right. them like for the majority of these nights but the fact that there's that it's almost like, a, like an even arena um space uh you know in terms of what they see that that's actually very interesting so so i wonder too you know i i, I kind of want to keep track of that now that you just mentioned some of these things so so because like i haven't honestly been paying too much attention to the road and home splits just because i just feel like they're empty gyms but but again yeah. we're not players we don't know what they see how they feel and it obviously shows that since the spurs struggle at home that there's something there that that the home aspect just isn't there for them yeah i want to say that popovich also said something heading into the road trip uh yesterday or something about the focus like maybe they'll be more locked in on the on the road or they'll have to be more focused so it might just be more about focus because like you said very limited fans are they just had i believe um staffers and family in the last two games just to kind of prepare for getting fans maybe later in the month or i think on the 27th is the earliest they could have any so it, they can't really rely on uh you know fan <laughs> having fans yeah. there they just need to focus no matter where they are yeah, for sure. So, so again, we'll see. We'll see how, how how that how that fares as the season goes along. And then, um, just um, you know, overall, their 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 losses. You know, six of them uh, have been settled pretty early. So this is again just like that Warriors game where it was pretty much over in the fourth. We kind of knew it. Uh, and five of them have been very close. So again, so the, so uh, you know, just just a little over half of these games are like when the Spurs lose, they lose is what we're seeing here. Yeah. Um, early on from from from, from what uh, these losses look like. All right. So now, Josh, let's move on to our second our second topic, and that's uh, you know, I want I want to spotlight um rookie Devin Vassell. You know, this is I've been I've been spotlighting lighting a player this week um i mean once a week every time on the spurs cast it's like a new thing i've been doing so this is actually for spurs cast listeners that listen week to week you know that this is a, actually the second time vassell has been mentioned here <laughs> in the spurs cast so he's obviously been playing well to get mentioned twice now in the last few weeks uh, here on the spurs cast so let's first talk about um just his base stats and then we'll go straight into the area where he where he's key which is on defense and then and then we'll talk a little bit about his offense so uh, his base stats you know they don't look very impressive when you look at his the casual box score you know 5.8 points 41 percent for shooting from three on two and a half attempts that's very impressive uh 3.4 rebounds one assist and uh, 1.2 steals very impressive as well and then just 1.3 uh, fouls so again he's almost getting he, he's barely getting more fouls than steals basically <laughs> at this point per game um Overall, the Spurs are a winning team with him on the floor. They they outscore teams by six point three points per one hundred, uh, according to Cleaning the Glass. Uh, it, it, that's in the seventy first percentile. So let's first um, really break down his defense because this is obviously the reason why he's getting all these minutes as a rookie. A rare thing for any player that plays under Coach Pop. Uh, so. 
Let's talk about steals and deflections. He's in total steals. He's only behind Dejounte Murray in both of those categories: steals and deflections. Uh, Murray has thirty nine steals for the season. Vassell has twenty eight. So again, Dejounte is at plus eleven. But here's the difference: Dejounte, as a starter, has played three hundred thirty two more minutes than yeah. Vassell. So that's that's crazy in terms of total minutes. Vassell is actually ninth amongst all Spurs players in total minutes, and yet he's second on the team in in, uh, in deflections and steals. And then of course in deflections, uh, Murray's at sixty nine. Vassell's at 46. Um, opponents scored 13.4 points per 100 less when he's on the floor. That's in the 96th percentile, according to Cleaning the Glass. Um, teams are The Spurs are holding teams um, below 10.4 points per 100 uh, on defense. Um, let me see here. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then uh, he's in the 99th percentile now in steal percentage uh, amongst wing players at 2.8% of, of team steals are coming from Vassell. That's second behind only Matisse Thibel of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, who's in the 100th percentile with 3.4% steal percentage among wings. Uh, he's in the 1% uh, block percentage amongst wings, which is the 74th percentile. So, again, pretty very good here on the blocking as well. And then defensively, grabbing the boards, 15.6% uh, defense rebound percentage, which is 88th percentile amongst wings. And half-court defense, he's very, he does very well, where a team scores 78 points per 100 fewer now one thing i did notice is that i like to look at the players matchups their key matchups in games and so we have seen that pop hasn't been giving him yet yet uh the uh, primary matchups you know he, the, the most like uh, you know, marquee right. players that I, that I could see here when i look at his matchups are russell westbrook he guarded uh for for a few possessions here in one game eric gordon of the rockets and then also these last two games against the warriors he's guarded draymond green a lot of his minutes as well so so we have seen though that pops pretty much kept him on defense on, on the role players he hasn't got like that that hasn't been able to um you know pop hasn't assigned him yet to like those elite scores just yet but i think that down the road that could, that could happen so just kind of talk to me what, what do you think about his his defense so far yeah i mean it's been superior man like it's just been i can't believe that 99 percentile among all players you said just not even rookies just <laughs> uh the still percentage 2.8 percent um that's he just doesn't really make mistakes that very often he had that long streak i believe to start the season of not turning the ball over that um you know, he's been doing it a little bit more recently, but even that is just, he's still just, he doesn't, he doesn't really mess up. And it, for a rookie to do that is very impressive. Um, and to be that close to Murray and steals, even with um, the, the limited time that he gets, it just shows that he's going to be even more special down the road. He's just, uh, anything he does on the court, like on both sides, it's just, it's just smart, smart basketball IQ that uh, Vassell has. Yeah, and, and real quick, I wanted to make um, one, one quick correction. So, so one of the stats that I read, I actually had deleted because I had to just double check it because I had two stats that almost looked the exact same. So, so here's the, here's the correct stat just for podcast oh, okay. listeners. Um, the one that says team the team is holding opponents below ten point four points per one hundred when he's on the floor, which is the ninety fourth percentile. So that is actually a true stat. I, I had something else written in there um, on, on accident, so I made sure to delete that. Anyway, so so yeah, and, and one thing that I've seen, uh, you know, defense. Obviously, we know we know we, we've been covering Coach Pop for years, and we know that you know that's the thing that you're going to get minutes for Coach Pop if you play mm -hmm. defense. And, and just going back to that Monday game against the Warriors, I remember possession on, on defense where where he he did a really good job, just end to end for that full twenty four seconds of guarding his man and just not letting him get away really containing him and i could see pop like almost like in, the, in that crouch down mode of like you know almost being very intense almost like if he was playing <laughs> playing on the court and he gets like that for vassell and then I, th I think as soon as the possession ended he like he like he like basically like i'm um, congratulating vassell or like you know gave him some praise because of the type of defense he played so so again if you're doing that off the ball again this is what this is when you're, when you're not when you're not even on the ball this is when you're doing this kind of defense you're just really tenacious you're tenacious should i say you're really getting you're aggressive and getting into passing lanes of of anticipating um making steals when you do that kind of stuff 
on defense and, and you just do it end to end, you know, for the full 24 seconds each possession, and that's that's your thing, that's what you're all about, you're going to get minutes from Pop. And so we've seen that Pop has rewarded him, and he actually got his first career start um, against the, uh, the, the Warriors in that second game. Now, obviously, we don't know if that's going to be sustainable because, again, Derek White, that might have just been because Derek White uh, yeah. was out, and you know, maybe they want to move Lonnie to a bench role permanently. So, so again, we'll kind of see if that if that remains if he's going to start or not. But again, like I said, he's just been very impressive, especially on defense, and like you mentioned as well. And, and Pop, you know, has it just you know, it just has obviously given him these minutes because of his defense. So now let's talk about his offense just a little bit now. Uh, you know, this is the area where, where, he, where he's going to, you know, he's not out there for his offense right now. He's out there for his defense. But one of the areas he's really providing a lot of help for the team is his three-point shooting. So let's talk about his offense. Uh, as far as the team, they, they, they don't score as well when he's on the floor. Um, you know, they're a minus 4.2 points per 100 on offense. But again, their gains on defense are greater than yeah. what, what, he, what he takes away on offense. So that's, that's, the, that's the good thing about Vassell. Uh, his shot profile, uh, 49% of his shots come from three, 18% from, from the restricted area, which is that closest area to the basket, 18% from mid-range, and 15% from the non-restricted area. Uh, his three-point shooting, he's 40, his 41% of accuracy is the best on the team amongst all rotation players. So that, again, he's a rookie and he's doing this. Um, and here's what's even more impressive. Uh, only 36% of his threes are wide open. So that, that equates to, to the amount of threes that Patty Mills gets wide open. So again, that's part, the defense just doesn't want to leave him open, but then part that, that Vassell, uh, you know, he, he's taking threes that are, that are more contested, but he's actually shooting very well on those threes. And then um, an interesting stat is that, uh, and, and I've seen this happen a few times, uh, he, he, he's in the 77th percentile amongst wings who get an and one on their, on their, on their foul shots. So 33% of his, his shooting fouls are and ones. And a lot of those are those three-pointers where people are closing out on him and, and they, you know, they hit him in, in the hand and then he makes the three-pointer. Um, and then he does struggle a little bit from the um, from from those other areas of the floor we mentioned too. Fifty seven percent shooting in the restricted area. Uh, we've seen him get a few um, you know dunks here and there lately. Um, he also struggles from the non restricted area, that, that floater range, and also the mid range. But again, he doesn't take those shots as much. So, um, what can you say about his offense? And again, he's just in his rookie year. Yeah, what well, the N one thing I didn't know about. It didn't even seem like you know it. Just from watching the games, I would think that. I mean, I don't know what Keldon does that, but Keldon might be pretty high up there too. But to see Devin in, up there is is really good to see so early on, especially co- considering he's not really there for offense, like you said. Um, the forty one percent accuracy from three. That, I mean, he's he's kind of reminded me of you know Bruce Bowen a bit, how he's not really there for that, but Bowen could always hit that corner three um, whenever mm-hmm. needed, and he developed that over time. Uh, Devin's just accelerating. Um, at a quick rate on on both ends of the floor. I mean, he already had the defense, but he is mixing in some mid-range, even though he's struggling a bit from there. I, I feel like he's just a lot more comfortable out there um, as the games go on, and he's only played, what, 25 games. So it's, I mean, I, I expect that he's just going to keep getting better. Yeah, yeah. And, and, like, one of the things for me is that, like, I kind of expect it's almost surprising when his threes don't go in. Like that's the kind of level of confidence that, that he's that he's shooting with right now yeah. is the fact that like he's like he's actually he's like he's like a he's almost like um you know not as great as Patty Mills but you know he's he's like on the Spurs team he's one of those players where you kind of expect him to make the three and you and you're kind of like oh wow he actually missed that wide open yeah. three there you know and, and you get that kind mm-hmm. of reaction from him because he's been shooting so well. Go ahead. I was gonna say also I just remembered like on the Sean Elliott has been pointing this out on the broadcast a lot how high his release point is yes mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of like durant like or something that he uh he just puts it way up there and it's really hard to get that's probably explains a little bit of how he's able to make those even when they're contested he's just like oh well what's this hand under me <laughs> like he doesn't really it, it doesn't phase him so that's gonna be really helpful down the road like for spacing for his game that he already is able to make those. And he has that such a high release point. That's going to be very helpful to keep that accuracy up. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. So again, you know, we'll, uh, it looks like obviously he's going to continue to get a, get a role with this team even when when everybody's healthy, uh, and Pop's going to continue to give him those minutes. And so that's that's where like you know the younger players like Keldon and and, and Lonnie need to be careful because like if they start to struggle in a game, well then Pop's probably going to give uh, Vassell some of those minutes. You know, maybe not to start a game, but maybe to finish it uh, as we've seen seen before. Um, so let's go ahead and get, get ready to close out this episode. Thanks again to, to Josh for um, you know joining me here on the Spurs Cast. Um, I want to go ahead and uh, just make, uh, just make you all aware to, to visit ProjectSpurs.com. Make sure that you're checking out Stephen Anderson's um, you know uh, recaps and analysis. Uh, we also have our, our Forever Toros um, podcast up as well. Uh, they just uh, recorded episode seven, and again, it's hosted by John Diaz with Michael DeLeon and uh, Jonas Clark. Uh, and then also, um, Ben Ben Bornstein's preparing you for the draft upcoming um, with the Spurs prospect watch over Marcus Bagley, his latest one. And then I've also been bringing back a, a series on Sunday called The Day Off, where I just kind of write some notes on things that I'm seeing and observations and things like that. So thanks again to Josh for joining me here on the Spurs cast and to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.